From epic tales of mystery and magic to accounts of battle and empire. From the verses of ancient poets to the masterpieces of our times. A Light on Literature brings to life China's literary heritage and a look at the world in a new light. Hi, I'm Huang Rei. On today's A Light on Literature, we continue to present the book The Sound of Salt Forming, short stories by the post-80s generation in China. Published by the Foreign Language Teaching and Research Press in 2016. In today's episode, we present you the second part of the story, Home, written by Zhang Yuran, one of the most famous Chinese writers born in the 1980s and translated by Geng Song. Zhang Yuran was born in Jinan, Shandong Province. Her representative works include a collection of short stories titled The Sunflowers Disappeared in 1890 and the novels The Distance of Cherries and Promise Bird. Previously on Home Chou Luo had always anticipated that she would have insomnia on the final night. This, however, was not the case. Before she fell asleep, she rolled over and peered at Jingyu for a moment. It was the last time. Yet she did not sense any sadness at all. On the nights before this evening, she had constantly looked at him in this manner, rehearsing, on her own, their parting. She had rehearsed it so many times, with the hurt decreasing each time, until in the end, she could not even bother to begin. Who would know that the reason she must leave was simply because she had spent so much time imagining it? So it just had to be. Otherwise, life would be a pretense. In this episode, Chapter Two, Xiao Ju. On the second day, Xiao Ju did not have much work to do in the morning. In the afternoon, she needed to make a run to the post office, and so came quite early. As she entered the apartment building, she ran into Chou Luo dragging her suitcase. As she saw her, Chou Luo's expression appeared startled for a moment. Going on a business trip? Xiaodu asked. Yes. Chou Luo paused, then continued on her way. Xiaodu thought Chou Luo might leave her some instructions, so she turned her body slightly. But Chou Luo just walked faster and faster, hailing a taxi that had just dropped off its passengers. Xiaodu had a strange feeling. That Chou Luo was probably not coming back. Xiaodu opened the door, took off her shoes, and began the chores. She was in the kitchen washing coffee cups, but Chou Luo's departure was still on her mind. She put down the half-washed coffee cups, wiped her hands, and went around to the bedroom and study. There was no letter or note to be found. That made sense, she thought. If she knew the housekeeper might see it as she did the chores, why would she leave a letter or note lying around to be discovered? In addition, perhaps the male occupant knew about her departure. Yet, not knowing why, Xiaoju was still inclined to believe that the male householder was unaware. She then looked at the closet and the makeup vanity. It was packed full of clothes. At first glance, it seemed nothing was missing. 
Virtually none of the makeup was gone either. The necklaces, earrings and rings were all there in the jewellery box. She was a little tired from analysing and ended up believing that it probably was a simple business trip for a few days. Leaving Cholo's home, Xiaoju caught a bus to the post office. On the way, De Ming called three times, and each time she hung up on him. She really did not want to be yelling and screaming at him on the bus. When she arrived at the post office, her mobile rang again. She picked it up. Stop rushing me! I'm already in front of the post office. Flustered and exasperated, she hung up the phone, which finally subsided into inactivity. There were many people lined up inside the post office, the longest line being the one for money remittances. The girl standing in front of her, her hair in a bun that could not have been shorter, held a small cloth sachet in her hand that did not resemble a purse at all. It was easy to tell that she was also a nanny. As she looked ahead, she felt that there was at least another two who were nannies as well. She was curious as to why there were all these women here to remit money, and whether their husbands at home were also like Deming. From autumn last year, Deming had stopped going to work. Initially, it was because the house needed to be built, but once it was built, he still had no intention of looking for work. Xiaoju had not actually meant for him to come to Beijing. Their daughter was to attend primary school in autumn, and if one of them was closer to home, then they could still look after her. Deming himself did not like coming to Beijing either. He had come for less than six months the previous year, and as soon as the construction team split up, he left. Xiaoju only hoped he would go to Mianyang, only an hour's travel away, so he could return home every day. Just after Spring Festival, he had gone there for more than half a month. Afterwards, it had rained continuously for a few days, work was put on hold, and he never went back. He would gather some friends together to play cards every day, and their card games certainly included gambling money for wins and losses. Otherwise, they felt uninterested. Every time Xiaoju phoned home, he would always say, I got up and saw that the sky was really cloudy, so I was afraid it would rain. Have all the clouds been pushed over to you in Sichuan? Xiaoju would huff angrily at him. Yet, he would still always have his reasons, saying that the weather was abnormal this year, brewing up some sort of disaster by the looks of it. Who knows, there might be a huge thunderstorm or landslide. Xiaoju had quipped, What, so you can read astronomical signs now, eh? They would argue on this, reaching an enormous crescendo until both of them were shouting for divorce. Then after a week of separation, when Xiaoju's anger had simmered down and she called home, the weather over Sichuan would still be bad and they would start to fight again. You have been listening to Home, a short story selected from the book The Sound of Salt Forming, short stories by the post-80s generation in China, edited by Song Gang and Yang Qingxiang, and published by the Foreign Language Teaching and Research Press. The author of the short story, Zhang Yiran, born in 1982, is one of the most well-known young writers in China. Her representative works include the collections of short stories The Sunflowers Disappeared in 1890 and Ten Loves, and the novels The Distance of Cherries, Narcissus Has Left with the Carp, and Promise Bird. Her works have been translated into English, Spanish, Japanese, German, and other languages. Since 2008, she has been editor-in-chief of the journal CARP, which mainly publishes works by young authors.
This cycle continued, and Xiaoju would still send money home each month. But from two months ago, she had begun to keep some of the extra money she earned for herself. This time, it wasn't even one month, and Derming was already hassling her to send money. She interrogated him for ages before he confessed that the money had been lent to his cousin to build a house. They began arguing again. Xiaoju scolded him fiercely over the phone, but she had still come to the post office again. As she thought about it, Xiaoju felt put out. Going out to work on her own did not actually feel like a hardship, unlike some people who still felt homesick no matter how long they had been here, and teared up at the thought of their child. She adapted to it very quickly, feeling that being in Beijing had its benefits. She even bought an old TV set so she could watch some Korean dramas when she returned to her residence at night, and occasionally also went to the market to buy some fish and prawns to cook for herself. She didn't miss her daughter much either, calling occasionally and not worrying too much. Perhaps it was precisely because she could just get by fine here that she felt even more uncertain what use there was in having such a worthless man who couldn't make her life even a little better. On this particular afternoon, Xiaoju was clutching her purse and standing in line with some other nannies in the money transfer line. Slowly inching forward, she suddenly felt a strong pang of sorrow. She very much wanted to free herself from this line, which only promised shackles and gained some freedom. Freedom, as she thought of the word, the image of Cholo's back as she dragged her leather suitcase immediately floated before her eyes. She strongly believed that the silhouette was headed for freedom. The following day, Xiaoju came to Cholo's house, and nobody was home. But the odd thing was that the rooms were extremely tidy in the exact same condition as she had left them. Everything in the room was in its place with no sign of having been used. It seemed that the male owner hadn't come back either. The cat's food dish was completely empty. Xiaoju put in some food which it wolfed down ravenously. By the looks of it, it hadn't been fed the day before either. Although the house was clean, she still could not let herself remain idle. So she dusted the floor and bookshelf again. As she worked, she thought about what was going on. There were two plausible explanations. One was that they were both away on business trips or on holiday. The other was that Cholo really had left home. And after discovering this, the male householder had gone to look for her. She very quickly eliminated the first possibility, since if they had both left, then Cholo should have explained when she saw her or left a note inside the house. Yet the second option didn't make much sense either. It would still take the man some time after he got home to discover Cholo was missing. As he waited, he would have eaten or drunk something, yet none of the cups had even been moved. As Xiaoju left, she stuck the advertising brochure that she had removed from the door as she entered back on the door again. You have been listening to Home. A short story selected from the book *The Sound of Salt Forming*, short stories by the post-80s generation in China, edited by Song Gang and Yang Qingxiang, and published by the Foreign Language Teaching and Research Press. The author of the short story, Zhang Yiran, born in 1982, is one of the most well-known young writers in China. Her representative works include the collections of short stories *The Sunflowers Disappeared in 1890* and *Ten Loves*, and the novels *The Distance of Cherries*. Narcissus has left with the carp and promised bird. 
Her works have been translated into English, Spanish, Japanese, German, and other languages. Since 2008, she has been editor in chief of the journal CARP, which mainly publishes works by young authors. When she returned on the second day, she saw that the brochure was still on the door. Inside the house, it was just as clean too, and as soon as the cat saw her, it leapt over to her, circling her and meowing. No one had returned home. She did a quick tidy up, then sat on the sofa and flipped through the fashion magazines lying on the floor. The afternoon sun filled the room. Her eyelids grew heavy. She flipped through, and she fell asleep for a while, lying on the sofa. When she woke, the cat was curled up beside her foot, all warm. She put on her coat and shoes, picked up the keys, walked out the door, suddenly feeling a little regretful at leaving the house. By the fifth day, she could finally resist no longer and called Cholo on the phone. But Cholo's phone was switched off. From afternoon to evening, she called and called, and on each occasion, the phone was switched off. What worried her the most was that the man might have been in some sort of accident, and that because Cholo had left home and was still unaware of it. Before drifting off to sleep, she lay in bed thinking back to how it had been the man who had called the recruitment agency first and asked her to work. Perhaps the recruitment agency still kept his number. She was determined to go and ask them tomorrow. But it wasn't that simple. She had long since had a falling out with the agency over an issue that couldn't have been more common. After having accumulated some fixed employers, she had cast aside the recruitment agency, contacting the employers directly herself and recalculating her remuneration with them. This way, her employers could pay a little less, and she could earn at least double the amount. Many part-time workers worked in this way, although there were also many failed attempts at it, with a few returning obediently after a few months, begging in subdued voices that the agency take them back. When Xiaoju had seen them do this, she had plucked up her courage. There would be no returning if she left. She could only plead with Sister Xia. When she left the company, she had asked Sister Xia to go with her, but Sister Xia was unsure of her own situation and was also afraid of causing a rift with the company. But each to their own, Xiaoju didn't wish to force anything either. They would still see each other regularly at night and chat. Xiaoju hadn't told Sister Xia the truth. She only said that the male and female householders had an argument, and that the man had not returned home for many days. The female owner was at home, ill with fury, refusing to eat or drink. So she wanted to secretly give the male owner a call. Sister Xia mocked her. You really do care about too many things. Are you angling to be their head housekeeper or what? But then she added that unfortunately she could not help her. Asking directly was definitely not a possibility, and that phone book that was locked in the drawer couldn't be consulted in secret. Xiaoju begged with her all her might, relentlessly, until in the end she could only agree, though it would have to depend on the circumstances. But upon receiving an express delivery the next day, Xiaoju completely abandoned the idea of phoning the male house owner. She was in the empty house. Combing the cat's fur, when the express mail delivery man banged on the door, he just happened to be in the neighbourhood and came up to test his luck. Been calling for days. Phones always switched off. The express delivery man complained. Xiaoju received the parcel, entering Cholo's name in the space with the recipient's name. Without even thinking, she tore open the letter. 
This kind of express delivery company's large envelope could be seen everywhere. It wouldn't be difficult to reseal if necessary. Inside was a thin sheet of paper. It was a letter. She looked at the inscription. It was from Jing Yu. You have been listening to Home, a short story selected from the book *The Sound of Salt Forming*, short stories by the post-80s generation in China, edited by Song Gang and Yang Qingxiang, and published by the Foreign Language Teaching and Research Press. The author of the short story, Zhang Yiran, born in 1982, is one of the most well-known young writers in China. Her representative works include the collections of short stories *The Sunflowers Disappeared in 1890* and *Ten Loves*, and the novels *The Distance of Cherries*, *Narcissus Has Left with the Carp*, and *Promise Bird*. Her works have been translated into English, Spanish, Japanese, German, and other languages. Since 2008, she has been editor in chief of the journal *Carp*, which mainly publishes works by young authors. As she read the letter, she walked slowly over to the sofa and sat down. And then she read it one more time. Lor, lor. That afternoon, when I got news of my promotion, my whole being felt as if it had been emptied. I sat in the office and didn't want to do anything, and I didn't want to go home. I felt like a spinning top that had been getting whipped and whipped, spinning so fast, but now stopping suddenly. I couldn't even stand up. I know I should feel pleased with the life we have. This is indeed a stable, comfortable life, and furthermore, guaranteed to get even better. But I cannot envision what this better life actually is. Every time I think about it, I immediately feel that this better life is meaningless. When we first met, we were still innocent. You were still writing. I remember you talked to me about the novel you were planning to write. Thinking about it now, that truly is a long way back. You know as well that I've always said that whether you work or not does not matter. Do what you like, as long as you are happy. But if I were to have any wild wishes left, it would be that you could instill in me some enthusiasm—just a little idealistic thing. I'm so afraid of becoming just as vapid as my colleagues, totally tasteless. Don't get me wrong; I'm not saying this to denounce you. Sometimes, when I wake up in the morning, I think about the remaining better half of my life with nothing to look forward to, and I feel petrified. I know that leaving like this now will mean losing a lot, but there is just no way that I can convince myself to stay here, continue living a life. With nothing to look forward to. As for where to go, what to do, I don't actually have any plans, really. I remember when it was this year's New Year, your parents discussed with us how they hoped we would marry. If we think about it, we've been together for six years, but we cannot realise their dream now, and I feel so remorseful. But my departure is not actually to escape marriage. What I am escaping is perhaps something even greater than marriage. As I write this letter, I am in the office, and perhaps it is the atmosphere here, but it makes my writing very serious, and I can't discuss emotional topics in depth 
with you. Those can be left to be discussed at a later date, and will perhaps be a bit clearer then. The house and the car may as well go to you. Someday when I return, I will help you with the documentation. Continue. Sergi put down the letter, absolutely flabbergasted. These two people actually left home on the same day, and they hadn't even been married this whole time, although they had presented as a married couple of many years. Age-wise, Xiaoju was a year younger than Chouluo, but her daughter was already six. Women in the city had such a long time to be girls. That evening, the electricity went out at the residence. Xiaoju sat there by herself in the dark, thinking about many things. She thought to herself. People in the city lived in such a considered and fastidious manner. As soon as they felt that there was a problem, they had to change things immediately. For a country person like her, it was not necessarily that she lacked the courage to change her life. It was just that her days were lived in the days, and when there was a problem in her life, she couldn't see it. But then again, it wasn't necessarily like this. She really could discern where the problems in her life lay, and that problem was Deming. Virtually. All the worries came from his side, so she had actually known all along where the problem came from, and wasn't afraid to bear the consequences that would come if she were to change her life. But she had just never really put her mind to fix the problem. Xiaoju thought carefully about the issue of divorce. If she were to do this, she would definitely not return to Sichuan, and she wouldn't want their child. She thought over the idea of staying in Beijing by herself like this, which didn't frighten her in the least. As for men, she thought she would still get one in the end. If she didn't, then she could accept that too. Till Law had once told her that she was a Virgo. Xiao Ju thought that all those descriptions about Virgos fitted herself. She had her own standards, which she was unwilling to let go of, and she was considered the type of person who preferred frugality to excess. What you've just heard was the second part of the story, "Home" from the book "The Sound of Salt Forming," short stories by the post-80s generation in China, published by the Foreign Language Teaching and Research Press in 2016. Set in 2008, "Home" tells the story of a young couple living in Beijing. The two left each other coincidentally on the same day. Without notifying each other or anyone else of their departures, and embarked on their respective journeys of self-exploration. They unknowingly left their shared home to their maid, a young woman from Sichuan, the Chinese province that was hit by a devastating earthquake later that year. It remains to be seen how this bewildering story of suspense and coincidence unfolds. Please join us on a light on literature next time for the final part of the story. Hope to see you then.
You have been listening to Home, a short story selected from the book The Sound of Salt Forming, short stories by the post-80s generation in China, edited by Song Gang and Yang Qingxiang, and published by the Foreign Language Teaching and Research Press. The author of the short story, Zhang Yiran, born in 1982, is one of the most well-known young writers in China. Her representative works include the collections of short stories The Sunflowers Disappeared in 1890 and Ten Loves and the novels The Distance of Cherries, Narcissus Has Left with the Carp and Promised Bird. Her works have been translated into English, Spanish, Japanese, German and other languages. Since 2008, she has been editor-in-chief of the journal Carp, which mainly publishes works by young authors. (laughs) 